Ghost. I want to know, Lord, what are you saying to this group of people at this point in time, right now in this room? Jesus, if you were to get up, what, what would you say? And so there's a number of things that I, I feel like the Lord's just been putting on my heart in the, in the, uh, in the things of the Holy Ghost. And, and I want to just share a few things. I, I want to preach a little tonight, but I actually feel to do things a little bit differently. I know that this is an um, out-of-the-box meeting for, for some of you guys. I know Glory City normally meet in the morning, and I know Liam uh, did great teaching this morning. So I probably won't be so teaching heavy night, even though we're going to look at a few things in the Word of God, but I feel to be a little more ministry focused as well. So it's going to kind of dovetail in together there a little bit. Um, uh, the lo- just in the last 24, 48 hours, I was just up in Bendigo with New Nature Church up there, and we just had a phenomenal time. I, I was listening to Liam share some of the uh, those testimonies before, and it was a little bit like Chinese whispers, but it was kind of funny because he talked about a lady with arthritis. So um, actually, lo- it was last year, the last meeting I did before the lockdown took place was on the Gold Coast at our home church on the Gold Coast Kings. And uh, there was a lady came into the meeting, big prayer line. Uh, she had Parkinson's disease, not arthritis, close, close, but not, not quite. So Parkinson's disease, and she couldn't uh, stand it. She tried to stand up the front. She was shaking so much, they had to bring her a seat. My family and I, I my wife and our two boys that Liam mentioned, we prayed for her, and, and we kept coming back. We were praying for different people up the front, and she was sitting down. By the end of it, um, her, after pray, ministering to her for a little while, all of a sudden her head just went back like this and she was completely still and all the shaking stopped and we just ministered it, uh, over her and then all of a sudden she opened up her eyes after a minute and actually began to laugh and, and I said, how are you feeling? And she says, I feel really good and she's laughing and, and so anyway, I got her to take my arm. I said, hey, do you, you want to see if you can stand up? And I got her to take my arm and I helped her to her features an elderly lady, and, and we walked a little. I said, hey, do you want to walk with me? And so we walked together arm in arm up the front and about three or four meters. And then I said, how are you feeling? She says, I feel fantastic. I said, do you want to walk to me by yourself? Like just, you know, just, you know, test out, see how fast you can walk and how you're feeling in feet. She said, yeah, absolutely. So I went back to where I started. I left about a four meter space or so between us. And I said, now walk to me as fast as you can. And she took off like power walking like this towards me. Her friends were like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we've never seen a move like this. She got so overwhelmed by what was going on that she literally did a lap around the church and ran out of the doors. Out of the doors. Parkinson's disease completely healed. So that was uh, about 12 months ago now. Uh, Actually, in that same meeting, there were some amazing things that happened. But uh, just in the last... 48 hours, so I did a healing service last night at New Nature Church in Bendigo, and i just share a couple of testimonies. I actually uh, have a couple of videos of these testimonies. I'm, I'm trying to capture as much, as many things as possible. So once upon a time, I shied away from any kind of media or anything like that because I actually used to work in the film and TV industry back on the Gold Coast, and uh, I was... I, bore you with details. I used to write film scripts and try and make, you know, I was making short films and wanted to get into that. God came, impacted my life. I lost all desire for anything to do with that. And over the years, I've just seen God do wonderful things. I know I was never trying to get into ministry. I actually just cried out to God to get free. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted freedom. It was freedom or Jesus, I'm checking out of life. And God came and just radically set me free and, uh, and just 
yeah, just radically transformed my life. So once upon a time, I couldn't even help myself through the day, get through a day without hating myself and just carrying guilt and shame. And now, you know, I just get the honor and privilege of traveling around, just see Jesus just set people free, left, right and center. It's glorious. But the reality is, is that uh, ministry isn't this. Ministry isn't standing at the front of the microphone. Life is ministry. If you believe in Jesus tonight, then you're in full-time ministry, okay? So I'm very thankful that long before I ever had an opportunity to, to do this, I lived it in my workplace. I lived it in my family and saw God actually turn my workplace upside down. Just radical miracles took place. I would be sitting there typing away on a computer and people would approach my desk during work hours to talk about work business and get healed as they approached my desk. And just crazy stuff. People asked me to you know, come into the office and then just get me to close the door and just burst into tears and, and just begin to confess all this stuff. I'd have the boss who was old enough to be my dad. It was actually a, a backslidden pastor now multi-millionaire businessman, uh, old enough to be my dad, he would call me up late at night and cry on the phone and tell me his marriage problems and ask for my advice. And he was old enough to be my dad. So just some um, incredible stuff. So the reality is, is that sometimes people can look and hear testimonies and go, well, that's all right for you because you get to travel around and do this. I never used to do that, okay? In the last 10 years I have, but before that, I just lived it. And I still do everywhere I go. Um, So I just want to share a few testimonies from the last 24 hours. And then I want to pray for a few things, okay? I want to, uh, I feel like that the the Lord has put some, some kind of interesting things in my heart that I want to pray for tonight. But just last night, uh, yes, there was a um, there was a number of things that took place. Uh, there was one man who was a pastor that you, um, that Liam had referred to before. Uh, pastor Ken pastors a, a church in Lisbon, I think. Is that the name of Gisborne? Gisborne. There we go. There you go. I'm from Queensland. Forgive me. Um, <laughs> from Gisborne. So Pastor Ken, he also um, has some kind of a business of his own. Works with his hands. And two years ago, had a machinery accident. And, and couldn't make a fist. All he could do was like that for two years. And he said he actually felt really ashamed. He could never shake someone's hand or anything like that. He, that he couldn't grip anything. Completely healed, making a fist. He was shaking people's hands and just about breaking people's hands. He was really testing that thing out. Um, so he got up and testified. We got that uh, on camera as well. There was a, another young lady. There was so much stuff going on. It's so, kind of hard to keep track of it sometimes. That's part of why I'm trying to document these things. But there was another young lady. She was in her early 20s. She had some kind of condition to do with her brain. I don't remember what it was, but every time in her whole life, she would try to run and she would have pain and almost like, I think she had some kind of a whooshing noise or something going on in her head. Anyway, she got ministered to, completely healed, went out of the building and went for a run around the block and came back in and said to her mom, she's like, oh my gosh, is this what it's like for everyone else? Like, my, my head is completely healed for the first time in her life. So in the last few weeks, just seeing God do incredible things. People with long-term conditions, like I'm not just talking like 10 years, I'm talking 20 years, 30 years. And man, last month I was in seven, am I talking too fast? I feel like I'm, um, I have a lot in my heart that I want to share with you guys tonight. I'm going off the, the beaten track. Talk faster, okay. Um, a man, uh, Seven Hills, New South Wales, Western suburbs of Sydney. I was there last month. Uh, a man, 30 years, he had something called uh, peripheral neuropathy, which was like pain, I believe, sort of from his ankle or his feet down. Constant pain every day for 30 years. Heal. Walking around pain-free. Just, just radical miracles after miracles. Uh, there's another man I pray for in Helensburg, New South Wales. 
uh, at, um, at Hope Church there, which is also part of the Glory City Network. Uh, and that's Pastor Lionel's church. And, uh, and I was there ministering. I was doing a healing workshop. And when I do a healing workshop, I like to really take my time and get into the Word of God and teach. Uh, set a precedence for why God heals and how we can minister in the gift of healing. And I like to demonstrate. I like to demonstrate the, the power of God. Uh, like Liam also mentioned tonight about what Paul said. I didn't come to you with excellence of words of men's wisdom. Because I don't want your faith to be in my words. I want your faith to be in the power of God. So one of the ones I like to demonstrate a lot is actually growing people's legs out. You might have heard of that. Maybe you haven't. Uh, sometimes people uh, have one leg shorter than the other. You know, the reality is, is that our body isn't always perfectly symmetrical. Sometimes it can be a hip out of alignment. Sometimes literally, uh, you know, legs, bones can be short, shorter than the other. Sometimes people don't even know it. Generally, people with long-term sort of lifelong lower back or hip issues, it can generally be that one leg is shorter than the other. Maybe there's some people here tonight who have that thing going on. Anyway, there was a young guy there. I guess he was, I say young because he's 30, 30 something. So it makes me feel young when I say that. Uh, a young guy and, uh, and his name's Andrew, Andrew Kim. So Andrew, two years before that point in time, was in a car accident and he was so badly just wrecked that his right femur was completely destroyed they had to put a titanium rod in his to replace his femur and uh and he had uh stuff going on with his ankle as well his left ankle but he was in hospital for four and a half months had to learn how to walk again because of the accident because of the rod however things panned out with that however they designed that was a bit of a, a whoopsie because it was actually about two centimeters shorter than his left leg because of that rod. So anyway, he hadn't been able to run for two years because you can imagine if one leg's two centimeters shorter than the other, sort of as you try to run the pain that you would have in your hips and in your back. So anyway, I, um, I said, who here, you know, in that setting, you know, I want to demonstrate the power of God. Who here knows that they have one leg shorter than the other? And he's like me, he just like jumps straight up. Um, I've actually got this one filmed as well. So I'm looking for people to help me edit this footage so I can get it out there to encourage people. But, but he jumped, he comes running to the front, tells us a little bit of his story. I get him to sit down and a couple of people are filming it on their phones and from different angles. Uh, and so anyway, you can see that his right leg is clearly shorter than the other. So um, I speak to his leg and I commit it to grow out and it grows out. And he's like, oh my gosh, I can feel my thigh stretching right now. Like, this is crazy. And so after praying for him, he gets up and he starts running on the spot. It's actually hilarious. You gotta watch the video. He's so pumped. He said, I feel like going for a run. I said, go for it, bro, go for a run. He does a lap around the inside of the church building. Everyone's cheering him on. He calls it his Forrest Gump moment. He comes back to the front and he's like, oh my gosh. Like he's just like totally overwhelmed. And then he tells us that it was the first time that he's actually been able to run for two years. Amazing things were happening. And actually there were, in that meeting, there was a man who uh, was, uh, you know, is rather a chiropractor and he had a torn calf muscle. So a chiropractor, he, you know, he understands what this means, what, what this looks like, torn calf muscle. Um, I had the people break up into small groups and one of the ladies in the group prayed for him, never prayed for anyone for healing before and his calf muscle got totally reattached and he was blown away. And from that point, he was checking everyone out. Like it was, it was amazing because he's like, he's checking people's arms and shoulders and everything out before prayer and then they get prayer and he'll test it afterwards and he's like, oh my gosh, wow, look 
look at that, you know, range of motion now. Like, that's incredible. So it was just wonderful. He was just going along verifying all these miracles. Miracles, yeah, it was great. Yeah, 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 that's it. So, uh, and just a, a few weeks ago as well, I was at Joel Shaw's church at Tivoli Miracle Center in Ipswich. And there was a lady who 20 years prior, she had had, um, I forget what it was, some kind of an operation in her ear and her eardrum got infected. Uh, and whether it was the infection or the operation, whatever they had to do, she actually lost the eardrum in that ear. So she hadn't been able to hear for 20 years. Uh, she almost always had an earplug in her ear, like particularly if she went out, she was near water. Anyway, after praying for her, we've got this one on film too, I believe, or at least the testimony, uh, her eardrum was completely restored, 20 plus years, brand new eardrum, and she's going, it's so loud, oh, it's so loud, and we're like, shh, you're so loud, like, turn it down a little bit. She was blown away, it was amazing. So that's just the last, you know, few weeks, last couple of days of just the things that Jesus uh, is doing. And who knows, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, when, today, and what, forever, okay? Uh, It was interesting, I I put some uh, stuff up, you know, people always ask me, you know, hey, put things up so we know if you're coming to town and everything. So I like to put up um, information on Facebook, social media, and let people know about where I'm ministering. And uh, I put something up, a picture of, of the room up at Bendigo, and I said, in this very room tonight, there's going to be miracles break out. You know, people are going to get set free from demonic oppression and everything. And someone puts on their mitt and uh, what's the word for it? Like cherry picks or whatever, like this out of, you know, verse out of context about an adulterous sign, uh, generation six a sign and, and a wonder and no sign will be given. And I'm like, dude, are you serious? So... What, what that person doesn't know is, is that last night, a lady came into that healing meeting, never been in a church before, never prayed in her life, had no Christian upbringing. She came in because her friend said, hey, you should come. She came along and she messaged me this morning and she said, Josh, you don't know me. We haven't met, but I was at the meeting last night. She told me I'm not a Christian. I've never been to church. She said, actually, I've been like anti anything to do with Jesus, anything to do with God. She said, but I was blown away last night seeing verified miracles happen in front of my eyes. She said, I don't know what to say, except for now I believe that Jesus is Lord. And she's like, so she came to the meeting again today and she came and she was crying. She's like, I don't know why I'm crying so much. And I'm like, it's okay, it's just God. And it was incredible. And I got to lead her to the Lord. She, she accepted Jesus and she's going to get water baptized this week. So, uh, so all I can say to that is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. Uh, he was healing yesterday. He's healing today. And he's going to keep doing it uh, until the cows come home, hey? until the Lord comes back again. So, so there's going to be things that are going to happen tonight. And, and I want to share a little, a little bit from the word. But I actually just want to uh, move into a, a space right now where I feel to, to pray some things and declare some things. So I don't do this all the time. I don't have any kind of method or, you know, like a one, two, three formula, anything like that, because it's not about a formula. It's not about a method. It's about relationship. It's about listening to the Holy Spirit. And so there's some things that I felt that was going on in the room during worship. And I felt there were some things that were going on in the area. And, uh, and I want to actually pray for those, into those things right now. And, uh, and I, what I'm about to say next might make some of you feel a little uncomfortable. Um, but 
but this is the deal is that Jesus is Lord and he wants people to get set free. Okay. He doesn't want people to be bound by, by things in life. And, uh, and it's nothing that we need to be afraid of. The reality is, is that the devil works so hard through the area of fear, particularly for Christians, because the truth is, is that he's terrified of you. The devil is terrified that, that sons and daughters of God will actually believe who they all already have become because he knows that when you see yourself the way he sees you, it's game over for him. It's eviction day. Um, so right now I want to evict some things, okay? So you can keep your eyes open. You can close your eyes, whatever. I just want to pray some things right now in this space, in this room. So Father, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to you. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for Glory City Church. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you, Lord, that light is greater than darkness. I thank you, Lord, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So, Father, right now, I just come against any form of witchcraft, Lord, that's taking place in this area, any form of witchcraft, a spirit of witchcraft that's maybe even an operation in anyone's life in this room right now. I break the power of that thing in the name of Jesus right now. I just want to expose any demonic spirits that are in this room in operation. I expose you right now in the name of Jesus. Anyone sitting here that is in any degree of demonic oppression, I just break it off of you right now in the authority of Jesus' name. Every demon, I speak to you and I command you loose people right now and you get out of this place. You do not belong here. You do not belong to these people. They do not belong to you. So any kind of demonic oppression activity in this room, anything that's trying to attach itself, demonic presence to any person in this room, I break that power off right now in the authority of Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I, I don't normally do that, okay? So I just felt to do that. I just felt like there were some things that were going on that I needed to address. So I uh, don't want to weird anyone out. But this is, uh, I have a few things that I, I want to share with you guys. And tonight I want to talk a little bit about faith. I want to talk a little bit in, about faith. I keep, I feel like I'm skipping up the front here with this thing. My, if my wife is here, she'd be telling me, Josh, just keep still, stop pacing. I'm like, you'll see that I keep doing this all night. People hate it when they have cameras and they're trying to film me as I'm preaching because I'm like, keep going out of, out of frame. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about faith tonight. Because who knows, the Bible says that the just shall live by what? Faith. The just don't live by their feelings. The just don't live by the way that they think is right. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So I want to look at that. Tonight, I have a few other words here that I believe relate to some people in the room, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to that. But if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you right now to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, and we're actually going to read uh, chapter 11. We're going to read a little portion there in Mark. I kind of want to talk a little bit about faith and stewardship. I'm going to try to keep this short because I know that it's, it's getting late. It's a nightmare and I know some of you have come from a long way away. And uh, I don't want to keep you too late tonight. So where am I? Mark, oh, sorry, yes, Mark. Mark chapter 11. 
Mark chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 12. And, and we're going to read a little portion here, and then I'm going to talk about it a little bit here. Um, but before we do, I just want to highlight a verse to you. And, and this is kind of where we're going to start. And it's a verse in, uh, that's found in Luke chapter 8, sorry, 18 verse 8. And it's Jesus talking about when he returns. He's talking about his second coming. And he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? You know, there's some things that the Lord says that when I read them, it kind of, oh, I feel the gravity of what he's saying. There's some very sobering statements that Jesus makes in the Gospels. And that's one of them. He's saying that when he comes, is he actually going to find faith on the earth? My prayer is that he would find it in me and that he would find it in you. So Mark chapter 11, verse 12, it says this. Now, the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. A den of thieves. Then the scribes, uh, and, the, the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, uh, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You know, there's a few different accounts in the Gospels of the situation. Jesus cleansing the, ta- uh, the temple, also Jesus cursing the fig tree. And uh, what, I, what I want us to look at here is, is this, this lesson of the fig tree. Firstly, Jesus comes to it here in the, in the Gospel of Mark and he curses this fig tree. He's looking for fruit and it didn't bear fruit. He goes into the temple. Who knows that scripture is multifaceted? You can look at one passage of, of scripture and you can get so much out of it. You can look at it from so many different angles. Ephesians tells us that the wisdom of God uh, is, is many faceted, okay? Uh, and so the, there's so many aspects and so many different ways we can look at this passage. But what I want us to look at is this. In the context of the, the fig tree and what Jesus did to the fig tree in this gospel here in Mark, 
sort of slotted right in the middle of this lesson of the fig tree is the cleansing of the temple. You know, it's it's interesting here. Uh, I remember, you know, we at home we have uh, different movies. You know, we've got the Gospel of Matthew, which is the happy Jesus. If anyone's seen that, he gets around with a big smile on his face. I love it. We've got the Gospel of John and the old Gospel of Luke, which, you know, called the Jesus movie. I love them more. I remember growing up watching the Gospel of Luke when I was a young fellow. It was wonderful. And, uh, and you know, just in life, we love to watch those movies as a, as a family. And I remember when my sons were young, uh, one day we were watching uh, one of these gospel uh, movies, and I think it might have been maybe the Gospel of John. And Jesus is going along, he's all happy, he's loving people, he's healing people, doing these wonderful things. And all of a sudden we get to the situation where Jesus comes into the temple. And all of a sudden, it seems like Jesus has lost the plot and he goes in and he's turning tables upside down. He's made a whip of cords and he's flicking the whip in the air. And I remember my boys were like, you know, white knuckled, hanging onto the seat like, Dad, what's going on with Jesus? And I remember that it really shocked them, the Lord's response in that situation. And how many of us know that when we read the Gospels, that's actually the only time that we ever see a response from Jesus like that. There are times that he rebuked the Pharisees, called them uh, sons of the devil and that kind of thing. But this is the only time when Jesus responded like that. He didn't react, actually. One of the gospel accounts says that he saw the situation, saw that it, was, it wasn't just a marketplace, but a den of thieves, okay? There was corruption going on. There was a lot of uh, dark dealings that were happening in that situation. And Jesus went away and he actually made a whip of cords and he came back. Okay, so it wasn't reaction. It wasn't uh, it wasn't sin. You obviously we know the Lord never sinned. Uh, So his action, that situation was perfectly righteous and holy. But the interesting thing is, is that we see Jesus respond in a certain way that we never see him respond at any time in the Gospels. So when I see situations like that in the word of God, for me, I got to take notice. Why did Jesus respond this way? What's really going on? And we know Jesus talks about the temple and talks about the destruction of the temple, that one stone of this temple will not remain, but every stone will be uh, taken away. And we know that to this day, the temple was destroyed and, and, and hasn't been rebuilt. And when we look at the context of this situation, we understand that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was coming to completion. It was coming to an end. And the New Covenant through the blood of Jesus was was, uh, beginning. And so here in this context, the tail end of the Old Testament, the the beginning of the, the New Covenant, the tail end of the Old Covenant. Here we have a physical temple. Jesus is in the physical temple. How many of us know through the word of God in the new covenant? What does the new covenant teach us that the temple of God is? Us, isn't it? Us individually. The Bible teacher Paul tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God lives inside of your physical body. Also, collectively, we are the temple of God together as the church, the body of Christ. And so when we look at this situation, it can be easy to look at it just in the context of the natural just in the context of the old covenant uh, temple. But if we look at this reality in the light of the new covenant, it actually teaches us something, the way that Jesus views the temple. Jesus has a certain uh, zeal, you know, in one of the passages in John, he says there about this situation. He says, zeal for my father's house has consumed me. 
Jesus was zealous. He was passionate for the house of God uh, to be clean, to be righteous and to be holy. And I don't think that it's any coincidence here in the Gospel of Mark that this little passage about the temple is kind of, like I said, sandwiched right in the middle of this lesson of the withered fig tree. And I actually believe that there's a great lesson in this here that I'm going to look, we're going to look at in a minute that actually relates to faith and unbelief, okay, and stewardship. So we have here in the second part, when they come back to the fig tree, Peter sees that it's withered up from the roots and he's amazed. He says, Jesus, look, Rabbi, look, this, this is the fig tree. And then Jesus makes this incredible statement and he starts it by saying this. He says, have faith in God. You know, I love that because in the last 12 years of uh, after my radical encounter with Jesus at the start of 2009, uh, I was at a place, even though I loved God the best I knew how, even though I was water baptized, I baptized the Holy Spirit, I could speak in tongues. On the inside, I felt like I was dead. On the inside, I was still bound by life, bound by sin and selfishness. And even though I wanted to follow Jesus, even though I wanted to be a good Christian and and do the right thing and stop sinning, for some reason, I just couldn't walk in that freedom. And I began to cry out to God. And I had an encounter with Jesus when I was living work. One day I was in my car, driving home from Brisbane back to the Gold Coast. And it was peak hour traffic, so the traffic was pretty bad. And I got stuck in the traffic and this prayer rose out of my heart. And I said, God, I'm sick of religion. I'm sick of tradition and just man's opinions and good ideas on what truth is. At the time, I didn't have the words to articulate it. But the reality was when I look back in hindsight, deep down inside me, I knew that there had to be more to Christianity than what I had seen, than what I had heard or what I had experienced, even though I didn't know it. Because the reality is, is that you don't know what you don't know. And you only know what you only know. If you don't know something, you you don't know that you're missing it, do you? But deep down in my spirit, I just felt like, man, there has to be more than just praying some prayer so that one day when I die, I go to a place called heaven instead of going to hell. And between that point and dying, my life looks like this. And I look just like someone that doesn't know Jesus. When things are good, I'm doing good. When things are bad, I'm doing bad. I want to serve God. I want to, I want to do the right thing. My heart's been uh, purified. I've been born again. But I find myself just getting caught up in life and sin and struggles. And I remember actually at that time, before that encounter, going to a, a local pastor in my city for counseling. And I got a little bit of a bum steer because he said to me, you know what, Josh? Well, hey, that's just how it's going to be because, you know, our, our spirit's saved, but our body's not yet redeemed. And one day you're going to die and we'll be, you know, we'll be set free from sin. And I remember walking out of that meeting thinking, Man, I feel more depressed coming out of this time of counseling than before I went in. But the reality is, is that I wanted to die. I didn't, I didn't like myself. I knew that I was the problem. But the great thing is, is that when I had that encounter that day with Jesus in the car and I prayed that prayer, God spoke to me. And it was the words of Jesus from John 14, verse 6. And he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I realized in an instant, in that moment in the car, that if I want to know what the truth is about what the truth is, if I want to know what the truth is about who God really is, and even further to that, if I want to know what the truth is about who I was created to be, I can only find it in one place. And that's in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, because truth isn't information. 
Truth isn't something you read in a book. Truth is a person and his name is Jesus with a capital T, truth. And so in that moment, in that car, uh, God did this transformational work in me and I got in the car one person and got out of the car a completely different person. And I've been in church my whole life. I've been to Sunday school. Like I said, I could pray in tongues. At that point in my life, I was in a very bad place, so I wasn't doing very good at all. I felt like I was dead on the inside. But somehow, miraculously, God swept out the cupboard of everything that I thought that I knew about him. And he took me back to the Gospels. I'm like, if the truth is in Jesus, I want to know what Jesus says. And I began to read the Gospels like it was the very first time. I began to read the Gospels like Jesus himself was speaking to me. And whatever he said, I took it as gospel and I just believed it. And I began to be transformed. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was a follower of Jesus. But I wasn't a disciple of Jesus until that point in time in my life. And I began to be discipled by Jesus in John 8, Jesus said to the Jews that believed in him, he said to the, the, these Jews, he said, if you abide in my word, Jesus's words, Jesus's teaching. He said that if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And in that place of abiding in my word and being my disciples in that place, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, truth in and of itself doesn't just automatically set everyone free. Otherwise, everyone would be free. It's the truth that was revealed through Jesus. There's a, a process for coming into that place of freedom. You know, the reality is, is that sometimes in church life, we're preached a lot of things, but it ain't Jesus. We preach a lot of thoughts and ideas and, and opinions on things, a lot of self-help and, and motivational speeches. You realize that in the book of Acts, it talks about the apostles' doctrine. That the early church continued in the apostles' doctrine. Do you know what that was? The apostles' doctrine? The Great Commission. Jesus said at the end of Matthew, he said to his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of every nation, teaching them to observe, which means to see and to do all things that I myself have commanded you. Could it be that the life that we live, the experience that we have, whether it's personally or whether it's in the church corporately, doesn't look like the life of Jesus or the life of the early church because we actually believe a different kind of gospel? Because we're actually preaching and believing things that Jesus himself never lived or never taught. And then we wonder why our life doesn't look like Jesus. We wonder why the church doesn't look like the early church. Now, I've gone a little bit off topic here. That's pretty, pretty common for me. I'm getting fired up a little bit here. But he says here, have faith in God. You see, the reality is, is that we aren't the focus of our faith. I have people tell me sometimes, well, you know, Josh, I've got faith to see a back yield, but I don't know about cancer. My response is, well, why are you the focus of your faith? If you're the focus of your faith, you're going to fall flat on your face. God is the focus of our faith, not us. It's not about about my faith. It's about him. It's about who he is and what he's done. But the reality is, is that if we're honest with ourselves, how many of us find ourselves in situations where we need to pray or we've been asked to pray for someone and we step into that place of praying and all of a sudden we become extremely self-conscious. 
and we're thinking about what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Well, hang on, I just, I did this yesterday. I, I committed this sin last week. I don't even know if God's going to hear me. All of a sudden, we become extremely self-conscious. There's a reason why. Because the devil knows that we can't be God-conscious and self-conscious at the same time. That's why the very first step of the gospel is, Jesus said at the end of Matthew 16, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So actually the very first step of the gospel is coming to the end of ourselves. The reality is, is because we were never created to live for ourselves. We inherited selfishness through the fall, through Adam. We weren't born into selfishness. In the beginning, God made man in his image and in his likeness. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the image of God made manifest. He's the visible image of the invisible God. Colossians chapter 1. And it's incredible because when we see Adam born in the image of God, Created in the image and the likeness of God after the fall, the very first words out of his mouth when God says, Adam, where are you? What did you do? The very first words out of his mouth is, it was the woman that you gave me, God. So he's, he's shifting the blame. Lecrae says, if anyone knows Lecrae, Lecrae says it like this. He's shifting the blame on his dame for fruit he shouldn't have eaten. So he, the, the one who is, is his wife the one who is one within the flesh, he's actually put in it on her and then he's put it on God to preserve himself. He's like, you know what, God, it's actually my wife's fault. It's not, I'm innocent. It's all her fault. And in fact, you know what? You're the one that gave it to me. (laughs) Do you get that? He said, it's not my fault, really. I'm innocent in this situation. So the very first words out of his mouth is complete and utter selfishness. Praise God, there was a second Adam. The first Adam, listen, selfishness. People will often talk about love and they'll talk about love. uh, Hate is the opposite of love. And I joke about because I've seen people with tattoos on their knuckles. One hand says love and the other says hate. So I don't know if they're going to like punch you or hug you or what they're going to do. Depends which which hand's coming towards you. But, But the reality is, is we've been told that hate is the opposite of love, but that's not so. You see, hate isn't the opposite of love. Self is the opposite of love. Adam, think of Adam in that situation. You see, self does everything it can at the cost of others. Eve, God. Self does everything it can at the cost of others to preserve and to benefit itself. But love, Jesus, love does everything it can at the cost of itself to preserve and to benefit others. It's a complete 180, isn't it? That's why Jesus tells us to deny yourself because we were never created to live for ourselves. We were never created for selfishness. In fact, selfishness is at the root and the heart of all sin. I don't care what it it means for other people. I'm going to do this at the cost of you so that I have more money, so that I have a better life, so that I feel good. doesn't matter what what, what it means for you. It's all about me. That's the nature of our culture right there, out there in the world. It's all about you. Once upon a time when we'd have things like MySpace, I'd joke and say, we've got MySpace, we've got iPhone, we've got YouTube. It's all about you. It's all about me. In fact, I've seen posters in shopping centers that says things like that. It's all about you. 
You is what is killing you. Me and my selfishness is what was killing me because I was never created to live for myself. And I'm so glad that I wanted to die because that day in the car, I actually died. That day in the car, I, I died and I was buried and baptized with Christ. And I came out of the car, brand new creation, born again in the image and the nature of God. Amen. And the Bible says that there is, he is light in 1 John. He is light and there's no darkness in him. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. He doesn't just stop there, though. He says all things have what? Passed away. All things are gone. When someone dies among us, we'll say, did you hear that such and such has passed away? What does it mean? They're not here anymore. They're not among us anymore. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. So I'm so glad that I died that day. I died to myself. I died to sin. I died to the power of sickness. I died to the power of Satan. That person that, that was a slave to sin actually doesn't even exist anymore. He passed away. And then a new creation was born. Born again. All things made new. That, that phrase in the Greek, a new creation. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. It literally means something that never existed before. You see, I might be wearing the same set of clothes, a.k.a. my skin, but everything about me is brand new. See, when we come to Christ, he doesn't just get your beat up all life and just give it a spit and polish and, you know, a fresh coat of wax or whatever and then send you out the door. He actually gets rid of the whole car and gives you a whole brand new car. Nothing about that car is the same as the other car. It's a completely different car. Now we either believe that and we receive it or we don't and we won't. Because do you know that what you believe is what you receive? It's as simple as that. In fact, the belief of a believer is the most powerful thing on planet Earth. That's why the enemy works so hard to get to the root of what you believe. You see, when he came to Adam and Eve, he didn't come down with a big stick and think, that's right, I'm going to beat them up. And God gave them dominion over all the earth. I want the earth. I'm going to beat them up and take it off them. He couldn't do that. He couldn't touch them. But what he did is he came down and he presented another version of the truth. Another version of reality. And when Adam and Eve believed his truth, his word over God's word, they essentially bowed their knees to the devil and said, you're our God. And they submitted themselves to the power of God's enemy and they lost their dominion over the earth. That's why when the second Adam came on the scene and the devil tempted him, the Bible says that the devil took Jesus up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, Jesus, if you will bow down to me, I will give all this to you. Do you realize that Jesus said, hang on a minute, devil, this doesn't belong to you. That's why Jesus said, I've got to hear and I'm, this is getting me back on track here. He, he says this here in, in John chapter 14, verse 30. Uh, he's talking about his departure to the disciples in John 14. He's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. Satan, the ruler of this world is coming and he makes this incredible statement and he has nothing in me. That's so powerful. 
The ruler of this world is coming. That's why in the Great Commission, Jesus said, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you see, Jesus took back all the authority that Adam and Eve have that they lost through the fall. They handed it over to Satan and they became a slave to sin, a slave to the enemy. The enemy could do whatever they wanted with them. And then when Jesus came, the second Adam, and he made a way so that those who were born into death, those who were born into sin, could actually die as Christ died, die with Christ so that you could be born again and created once again in the image and the nature of God and take on the likeness of God's own son. Yes. Romans 8 tells us that it's our destiny, that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, Jesus said to the disciples, actually Philip said to Him in, in John 14 there, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. We want to know what the Father looks like. We want to know what He's really like. John 14. Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you for so long and yet you don't know me? I love this. It's so good. He says, he who has seen me has seen the father also. So how can you say, show us the father? There's nothing more of the father that remains to be revealed. He's already been revealed right here in the Son. The reality is, is that if we believe something about the Father, if we believe something about who God is that does not marry up to Jesus revealed through the four Gospels, guess what's got to change? It ain't what's written here in red. It's what we believe about the Father. Jesus Christ is the most normal Christian who ever walked the planet. And then he turned to you and I and said, Follow me. I love to sing. I, love, I sing every day. I love to praise him. But do you realize Jesus didn't just say, go and build buildings to me and sing songs about me all day. I love worship. I worship every day, all the time. Our family, we fall asleep with worship music going on all through the night. I love to worship. I pray without ceasing. But the reality is, is that Jesus didn't just say, go and sing songs about me. Go and build buildings to commemorate me. He said, follow me. You see, Jesus lived the life that you and I were created to live. He showed us what a child of God looks like. The firstborn among many brethren. So my two sons, my wife and I, two sons, they both have our DNA. So the potential that's inside of us in the natural is now inside of them. See, on the earth right now, if my wife and I were standing here and we had our two boys next to us, hopefully next time we can all come down. And and if you looked at them, you could go, oh, that one looks more like his dad or that one looks more like his mom. That one's got his mom's ears or, you know, whatever. Of course they do because they come from us. They're not going to have something else about them that looks like someone else if they've come from us. Now think with me for a minute. If we've been born of God... John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, that which is the born of the flesh, John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit with a capital S is spirit. So if we've been born of God, John chapter 1 tells us that as well. 
that those who receive him, for them he gave the right to become something. Children of God. It doesn't say to them he gave the right to go to heaven. Even though that's part of the package. It doesn't even say to them he gave the right to have their sins forgiven. Even though that's a part of the package. The emphasis on the gospel in the gospel is to them he gave the right to become something new. To them he gave the right to become children of God. Born of God. Now look at it like this. If God was standing here, God's spirit was here and you saw my spirit or your spirit next to God the Father. Just like I gave that analogy of my son standing next to my wife and I. Guess who you're going to look like? Now we don't have a spiritual mother and a spiritual father. So we look more like one or the other. We come from one. Think with me, okay? So if you were looking in the mirror and your spirit was standing next to God's spirit, guess what? You would look just like him, wouldn't you? The image and the likeness of God. Every time the devil sees you, that's all he sees. That's why he hates you. The problem is, is that we don't see ourselves that way. If we're honest, when we look in the mirror, we don't often see ourselves that way. And that's just the way the devil likes it. Because if he knows that we really, if we really believe what this book says, if we really believe what Jesus has said about us, like I said at the start, it is game over. Game over for the devil. Because all authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to Jesus. Now go therefore. John chapter 1, he says... For the light shone in the darkness and the dark in the New King Jimmy, it says, and the darkness could not comprehend it. Some of your translations might translate it like this. I like it a little bit better. It says for the light shone in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. That's what that word there means. Could not comprehend it, could not overcome it. What it's saying is, is that light is greater than darkness. Light is greater than darkness. We ought to not be afraid of the darkness because the reality is is that the darkness is afraid of us. Where was I? Have faith in God. There we go. (laughs) Listen, he says here, going back to to Mark in uh, in uh, chapter 11, verse 23, he says, For assuredly I say to you, verily, verily, truly, truly, anytime Jesus says that, you've got to listen up, okay? Assuredly, listen up, guys. I'm telling you this information. This is really important. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That is the biggest blank check ever written. God is speaking the word of God, the living, living word of God, the great I am is saying to you, if you speak to a mountain and tell the mountain to move and you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that, believe that whatever you say will happen, you will actually have whatever you say. He doesn't say or it doesn't have brackets or little terms and conditions. That is unless it's not God's will or it's not God's timing or anything like that. He says you will have whatever you say if you have faith and you speak to the mountain. So what he's saying is, he's saying, guys, I'm going out and I give you the keys to the house. And if you want to rearrange the furniture, go for it. 
Knock yourself out. If you want to move the couch from that room to the other, go for it. I love that picture with God. We see that right back in the beginning in the garden where it says that God brought all the animals before Adam. And he said to Adam, he said, here, my boy, come. I want you to name all these animals. And the Bible says, whatever Adam called it, God said, that's a great name. That's its name. I love that. I, as a father, oh man, that delights my heart. That God could have said to Adam, I'm going to make all the animals pass by and I'm going to tell you the name. But God empowered Adam because he is the creator and he put that creative gift inside of his son. And he was waiting to see by Adam's choice what Adam would call that animal. And as a father, he was like, Gideon delight, I believe, to go, wow, that's amazing. I never would have thought of that name. That's an incredible name. Armadillo. <laughs> that's an incredible name. It reminds me one time I was on a, on a mission trip. And while I was gone, my boys were little. Uh, they got goldfish. And my oldest boy, he loves hot chips. He loves chippies. So he called his chippies. And my youngest boy loved dinosaurs at the time. So his was called Dinosaur. Chippies and dinosaur, the goldfish. <laughs> Love it. Whatever you want to call it, that is a wonderful name. He says here in verse 24, he says, In light of this, therefore, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, how are we going for time? I'm going to wrap this up, okay? <laughs> wrap this up like a present. So he, this is incredible here because number one, he's saying, have faith in God. Let the focus of your faith be on God, not on yourself. And he says here, whoever says to this mountain, you know, that's so powerful. You've got to realize, remember, how did God create everything that was? He spoke it into being. All right? I don't want to go off on another tangent here. I can feel myself leaning to go off on another tangent, but I'm not going to do it. Don't worry. I'm going to stay on track. He says to you, if you speak to the mountain and you tell that mountain where to go, and the only contingent is in that you do not doubt in your heart. That's the only contingent here, isn't it? So if Jesus said it, is this true? Is he missing anything out? If Jesus said it, that's it. Smith Wigglesworth would say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, okay? And then he sums it up. He says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now this is powerful because see, on earth, if I had a present for you and I was to say, hey, I've got a present, here it is. When you've got it in your hands, then you say thank you. Then you believe that you receive it because you've got it in your hands. But in the kingdom, in the spiritual realm, it actually doesn't work like that. In the spiritual realm, you first believe that you received it and then you have it. Abraham, God said, Abraham, you are going to be the father of the multitude. And the Bible says Abraham, Abraham didn't look at his body. Abraham didn't look at his body and, and, and use his own natural wisdom and go, well, hang on a minute. No, no. The Bible says that Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Yeah. The Bible teaches us that Abraham and, and Sarah believed, considered him who promised was faithful. So before they had it, they already received it. 
They received it by faith and then the promise came. The problem is that sometimes we're waiting for the manifestation before we actually believe that we have it. Some of us are waiting for a symptom to change before we actually believe that we're healed. In the spirit realm, it doesn't work like that. I want to point something out here and then I'm going to finish on this point. That Jesus said, if you believe, I love this. I'm actually, you don't have to turn here, but I'm just going to reference it in, uh, in Luke chapter 17, verse 5 to 6. It's a, it's a similar situation here, the similar analogy the Lord's talking about. And, and it says this here, the apostles said to the Lord in verse 5 of Luke 17, the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Give us more faith. Make our faith bigger. Make it stronger. And I love the Lord's response. And the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. He's saying, guys, you don't need more faith. The size of your faith isn't what, you know, you're looking at it all wrong. Has anyone seen a mustard seed before? I have. A mustard seed is like this tiny little seed, a little speck. All of us have at least that much faith. And according to Jesus, that's as much faith to to tell a mulberry tree to come out of the ground or to move a mountain. So the issue isn't how much faith you have. The issue is the doubting in your heart. You see, I love the story of Peter when he saw Jesus walking on the water and he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you and I will. And, Peter, and Jesus said, it, it is I come. I love the fact that Peter first walked on water before he sank. I'm so glad it wasn't the other way around. You know why? Because Peter had the faith to walk on the water. But then he sunk. He didn't sink because he didn't have the faith. He sunk because of unbelief. The Bible says he got out of the boat. His eyes were fixed on Jesus and he walked on the water. And then the Bible says that he looked and he saw that the wind and the waves were boisterous. Imagine a room full of boys. That's boisterous. Okay. I I live. That's my life right there. A room full of boys. No, I only have two sons. Boisterous. Okay. So it's, it's just making noise and there's wind going everywhere and there's waves. It says that he took his eyes off Jesus. He looked at the circumstance. He looked at the natural and all of a sudden he began to be afraid. That's what the Bible says. And then what happened? And then he began to sink. Jesus reached out his hand. He took his hand and he said, why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? So Peter had the, uh, the amount of faith. He had the faith to walk on water, but he allowed life. He allowed circumstances to get into his heart and through his eye gate, through his ears, and then into his heart and actually subvert his faith. And I believe there's a lesson here uh, in this passage that we just read here in Mark that will help us. Remember, we looked at the temple. Remember, we talked about the new covenant context of the temple. Jesus said in John 14, I quoted it before. He said, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. 
You remember when Jesus was telling Peter and the disciples that he was going to be crucified? Remember Peter's response. Lord, far be it from you. This shall never happen to you. What did Jesus say in response to him? Get behind me, Satan. Sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? But what Jesus is identifying is, is that there's actually something, a voice of the stranger whispering in Peter's ears because of Peter's love for Jesus and twisting that to actually bring out another version of truth, which isn't God. It's actually come from the enemy to try to get to Jesus's heart because of his love for Peter. So Jesus saw it for what it was and said, get behind me, Satan. And then he makes this incredible statement. He says, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. So I want to ask you this question tonight. What is your mind full of? What is your temple full of? Because what is in your mind, what is in your temple, either has the ability to strengthen your faith or has the ability to subvert your faith and bring doubt in. Peter was a fisherman. He fished on the Sea of Galilee his whole life. Chances are he had been in storms before. Maybe he'd even been shipwrecked. I don't know. Maybe he'd down at the tavern with the boys and he heard a story. Hey, did you hear about such and such? They're in this wild storm and they shipwrecked and they all died. Natural wisdom, natural experience, natural knowledge. Fisherman, he's there. He's seen all this stuff and all of a sudden all that is rising to the surface. I believe Jesus has given us an incredible example here of stewardship, faith and stewardship. That we can steward our temple in such a way where we, there is nothing of the enemy in us. There's no mindfulness of the things of the world or mindfulness of the things of the enemy that can actually subvert our faith. Is this making sense? All right. Now, I'm probably going to stop right there because it is uh, 20 after 8. This is what I want to do right now is, uh, is I, I want to, I, I believe there's a few things that the Lord's shown me for people that I love to pray for. And so we just want to have a time of ministry right now. And if I, if you're, if you have a condition that I don't read out, it doesn't mean God doesn't want to heal you. Okay. God, or remember that time. That time in the Gospels where someone came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You remember that time someone said that to Jesus and he said, you know what? I really love you, but not today. Sorry. You know, I really love you, but I've actually given this thing to you to teach you humility. You know, I really love you, but it's not quite your time just yet. I'll come back to you next week. I'm building character in you. Remember that time? It's not there, is it? So if it ain't in Jesus's mouth, why is it in our mouth? If it ain't in Jesus's mind, why is it in our mind? Why do we teach and believe that stuff? Don't be mindful of the things of this world, but be mindful of the things of God. I felt like these are a couple of things and I, I felt this in, t- in, in the context of what I was praying at the beginning in terms of uh, demonic oppression, okay? I actually felt like that, that uh, I, I heard the phrase spiritual leeches 
And I believe that there's people in here that in different situations, in different ways, you almost feel like there's some kind of spiritual force, uh, force that's actually draining life out of you. Okay? So it doesn't necessarily mean that you've done the, anything in the occult or witchcraft or anything like that, that, that um, the thief comes to steal. Okay? Steal, kill, and destroy. John 10, 10. So the enemy tries to come to steal from you. And I believe that there's people in this room that... That if you think about your life and, and your mind, maybe your emotions, whatever's going on, that there's been a draining. There's been some kind of spiritual force. You don't know what it is, maybe. But when I say spiritual leeches, it's almost as if you've got a spiritual leech on you, sucking the blood out of you, okay? Now, I want to pray into that. I also, uh, I felt like that the, uh, there was maybe uh, a woman or some women, maybe this could relate to a man as well. But I felt like there was something to do with the reproductive system. And I don't know if there's someone in, in here who's maybe been told they can't have children or maybe you've been trying to have kids and you haven't been able to have kids. Or maybe that you know that you've got something going on with your reproductive system. I believe that God wants to touch that tonight and give and just make that thing brand new, okay? Uh, I actually, I, I saw uh, some things with a wrist, you know, there's this thing in psychology, I'm not a psychologist, but there's this thing in psychology called a Freudian slip, does anyone know what that is? Yeah. That you actually say something that you, you know, subconsciously that you didn't mean to say, but it's what you really mean. Sometimes there's a Holy Ghost slip, when people say things and they don't realise what they're saying, but it's actually the Holy Ghost. Liam talked tonight about uh, somebody's wrist. And it wasn't anyone's wrist, but when he said that, I felt like there was something on that. So I felt like there was someone in here. Maybe you've got uh, something going on with your wrist. I felt that I actually wrote multiple wrist-related issues. Could be anything from maybe an injury, soreness, could be carpal tunnel, anything like that. I felt like there are uh, multiple wrist-related issues. I also saw an ankle. I feel like maybe there's someone who's had problems with an ankle. Uh, maybe it's an ankle injury. Uh, I also heard... Uh, Sometimes I hear things, sometimes I hear a name and I'm like, is it this or is it that? So I heard, uh, I think it was either, ten, it could be both, tendonitis, I don't even know what that is, I guess it affects your tendons, tendonitis, but I also heard tonsillitis, okay? So maybe it's both, maybe it's either or, if either of those things relate to you, I want you to stand up in a minute as well. Um, and I also saw someone's throat, I feel like there's maybe one person or more in here has some kind of a condition with your throat. It could be a number of things. Uh, you know, it could be something like problem swallowing. Maybe you've got some kind of infection. Could even be something like throat cancer. I don't know. But if there's anyone in here who has any kind of an issue with their throat as well, I want to pray for you. And the other thing is, is um, I saw a brain and I want to pray into brain healing because actually the Lord healed me of brain cancer, by the way. There's just another little side note there. I had brain cancer, but now I'm healed. But anyway, so... Um, and the doctors are pretty amazed, as you can imagine. Uh, and so, so anyway, I, I just feel like if there's anyone in here with any kind of brain-related issues, I want to pray for you tonight. And on that note, if there's anyone who has any kind of cancer or tumor or anything like that, could even be like a cyst, any kind of growth that's not, of, not the will of God, I want to pray for you tonight as well. And then the last thing is, uh, this is another this or that kind of a thing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it could either be a colon or it could be the name Colin. I don't know. Is there a colon? I know. It's a funny, funny thing, isn't it? Is there a colon in here by any chance? Is there a colon in here? 
But anyway, I'm like listening. I'm like, what was that, Lord? It was like, you know, sometimes someone's talking to you and you kind of half hear what they're saying. Sometimes I'm like that with the Lord. A little bit like Peter, a little bit slow sometimes. So maybe you've got some kind of issue with your colon or maybe your name's Colin. I don't know. Um, and I don't want to make fun of that. You know, everyone's laughing, but I'm not really laughing because it's serious. Okay. It's someone's body. It's someone's life. So if you have some kind of a, a condition affecting your colon, I want to pray for you. Or if your name is Colin, I want to pray for you as well. Okay. So this is what I want to do right now. Um, I want to ask you that if any of those things, sometimes I, I have words and some people come up and they're like, you know what, like five out of 10 things are related to me. If any of those things, even one of those things relate to you, I want to ask you right now, would you please stand to your feet because I want to pray for you. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. So it's like three quarters of the room right there. So some of you have something going on that maybe you don't like you don't have a symptom of. Sometimes we could have something, maybe it comes and goes. Sometimes you gotta go and get a blood test. I, you know, I don't know. But some of you have a symptom. So I'm gonna pray a corporate prayer right now. Uh, usually when I do this as well, people who are sitting down get healed who don't even stand. Did this in the church a couple of weeks ago. And a lady who had a neck injury 20 years ago, whiplash from a car accident, got healed and she didn't even stand for healing. So even if you're sitting down, you'll get something as well, all right? I, I believe the Lord's gonna to touch you. But I wanna pray for everyone standing right now because these are things that I believe the Lord has highlighted to me. Um, and if you can, this is what I want you to do. If you're able to test it, like if it's something that, you know, you have pain, like an ankle thing or whatever it was, if there's anything that you can check, I want to encourage you, you don't have to do this, but I want to encourage you after I pray, if you can test it, I want you to test it. Okay? Now, before I pray, I'm just going to say this. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Okay? He didn't say you might receive. He said, you shall receive. So right now, we're going to ask right now, we're going to pray and declare. I'm going to speak to the mountain and command it to be moved. And all you have to do is just receive, okay? You don't have, God doesn't have a checklist that you've got to tick off every box and go, okay, now I'm in a place that I can be healed, all right? Receiving healing is exactly the same as receiving salvation. You just say yes and thank you. Thank you, Lord. I didn't deserve it. None of us deserve to be saved. None of us did anything to measure up, to tick God's boxes to get saved. And you don't have to do anything or tick, up, tick any boxes or measure up to get healed right now, okay? So just get in a posture of receiving. Put your hands in front of you, whatever you want to do. And I'm going to pray for you. And you right now just receive, okay? You don't have to do anything. Just, just be in that posture in your heart right now. Father, I thank you right now, Lord Jesus, that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And I thank you, Jesus, that, Lord, all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to you. I thank you, Father, for revealing these words to me, for the people in the room. And so right now, I speak to every single person who's standing. Right now, I speak to every part of your body, and I declare healing in Jesus' name. Right now, every trace of pain, I command, get out in the name of Jesus. Any trace of discomfort, go. Disease, go. Sickness, go right now. I command every one of those things I've read out, whatever you're standing for that needs healing right now, I just declare over you, your sins are forgiven. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Every symptom's gone right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for healing us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We just receive it right now. And I receive it even on everyone's behalf. And I just say, thank you, Father. You are that good. You are so good to us, Lord, that we didn't deserve it, but you gave it to us anyway, Lord. So we just receive it right now. And we say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. You're amazing. You surely are a good Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, if that's something that you can test out, I want to encourage you. Again, you don't have to, but I want to encourage you just to begin to check that part of your body out or something like that right now. And when you're experiencing change, some of you might feel some kind of a sensation, a heat, a tingling sensation. Uh, Some of you maybe have had difficulty moving something. When you feel that something going on, could you just give me a wave, okay? Some of you can't test it, I understand that, but, but some of you can. So just give me a wave when you feel something going on so I know what's happening in the room right now. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Praise God. Awesome. So good. Now, this is what I want to do right now is I, I want to uh, pray for everyone else in the room who has some kind of anything going on in your body, okay? I want to pray for you for healing. And then if I can, I would, I would love to do this. I would love to ask people who are, are experiencing something going on in their body, who are experiencing pain leave or symptoms leave. I want to invite you if you would share a testimony. Okay, if you would be so brave and bold, you don't have to, but I would love for you, if you want to be so bold, I can come to you or you can come out the front because when you share your testimony, you're actually uh, releasing power, okay? Other people, when they hear testimony, uh, I've, I've had people that have been healed just by listening to someone's testimony, all right? So don't be selfish and keep your testimony to yourself testify of it okay so it's got a testimony you share it all right you share the good news so this is what i want you to do that if you need healing for anything else right now uh would you maybe stand up uh if you've got any symptom or any kind of pain in your body right now as well uh whether you just receive prayer or not if you need some kind of healing i just want to ask you just to stand to your feet right now and i'm just going to pray again and this is what i want to do if you're not standing Okay, and you're sitting down. If you are a believer, Jesus said, those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay, now I want to say this. You actually don't even need to touch them. I see the Lord heal people when I just put my shadow on them. Okay, so you can just reach out your hands if you're around someone right now. Don't touch them if you don't know them. Okay, you don't need to touch them. It's the Lord about the Lord touching them. But if you can, even if you're a believer, just reach out your hands towards that person right now. And what we're going to do is we're just going to pray over them. And we're just going to declare uh, whatever's going on to be gone. We don't need to know what's wrong with them. We just need to know what Jesus has made right. Okay. So just keep that big in your heart. Let's not be problem focused. Let's be promise focused. Let's be Christ focused right now. So Father, we thank you right now. Everyone who's standing. Father, number one, I thank you that you love them. Father, I thank you that it is your good pleasure to give them your kingdom. It's actually your good pleasure. You want them to be healed even more than they want to be healed. So, Father, I thank you for that right now. I thank you that it is your will as revealed through Jesus that everyone gets healed. So right now I speak to every single body and in the name of Jesus, I declare right now healing to come into your body. 
I agree with everyone who's praying in this room right now. And, and we cancel out every form of disease, any form of injury, any form of sickness. And we drive it out of your body in the name of Jesus. I command it, go right now. Go, you're not welcome. I break the power of sickness, any demonic oppression that's come and brought this thing. I cut it off right now in the authority of Jesus' name. Be healed, be healed, be healed in Jesus' name right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.